0: Hello everyone and welcome to Uncomplicated, a podcast for education professionals, MAT leaders, school staff, teachers and anyone interested in what's going on in the world of education technology. In this instalment we are going to be discussing the topic of change management in education and specifically uh, around the management and change of technology in education which if you've worked in schools for any length of time you'll know that schools find it really difficult to change uh, but need to change to keep up with what's going on especially with technology. My name is Nick Clark and I'm a senior product manager here at IRIS and I work in our education division, looking after things like the Edgen MIS and Central, the app that brings all of your data together in one place. But before that, I spent the rest of my 20 year career working in education. I was a primary school teacher for around 13 years and eight of those as a deputy head teacher as well. And whilst I have a really keen interest in change management, having worked with schools for a long time in changing technology after I left teaching. Uh, You're not going to be listening to me on my own this afternoon. I'm joined by a professional who works in education change management with organisations across the country and across the world, helping them change specifically in education. Her name is Lisa Clark and the surname is not a coincidence. We do happen to be married and I've nicked most of the uh, wisdom I have around change management from her over the years.
1: Thanks very much, Nick. As Nick said, I uh, am a change manager I work in education. I have worked in education for for quite some years now and my main aim is to support and lead uh, on projects and ensure they're successful.
0: So before I knew anything about change management I always assumed it was a bit of a fad. I always pictured somebody in a very swanky bar in London earning a thousand pounds a day as a consultant making up things about change management as some kind of fad But I've also run change projects in schools if you've ever been the IT coordinator of a big school like I have you'll know of that uh, difficult thing of giving new laptops to teachers and it sounds really easy on paper I know we need to buy some new laptops and we'd like to move to office 365 or we'd like to move to a new bit of technology we've made the decision let's go and do that and I don't know about anyone else who's listening but that's quite a hard thing to do and you can come quite easily unstuck if you don't apply a change management methodology. So could you tell us a little bit about perhaps why it's important and why it's not just a fad?
1: Absolutely, and I, and I think um, ultimately what we, we want to try and understand with this is where has that perhaps gone wrong? So whilst on paper, it looks really successful. Everybody's got a new way of working. They've got a new, new bit of tech that they can use but somewhere along the lines there might be some some gaps or there might not be a real adoption of the new way of working and that's where change management makes a difference because ultimately change management or any kind of change is about people so we need to manage that process for people we need to support people in not just learning to work with new technology but in changing the way that they adopt the use of it the way that they approach things, the way that they feel about the technology and ultimately how that impacts the way that they work.
0: So if I took a situation in my school or in my trust where we decided that something needed to change, perhaps we needed to change a piece of software that was out of date or we wanted a new finance system, we wanted a new MIS, we wanted to do something different that's going to change part of the fabric of how our trust runs or something big in the way that it works. Often we would start and we'd say, okay, we've, we've made that decision. We might tell some of the staff about that and we might give them some training. And then we'd say in September, you're going to go live with our new MIS, our new finance software, our new HR software, our new whatever, insert name here. But that's not always as easy as it sounds. How, how would a change management model support that? And, and, and is it not just adding a load of complexity that schools don't really have the time or the ability to deal with?
1: Well, I think there's two things to that. I think, first of all, the importance to understand around change management is is think of change, change management as the bridge between solutions and results. We ultimately want to have um, the change of the MIS or the the software but, uh, uh, to have an impact. So we need to understand how this is going to affect the, uh, the staff involved, how people are going to use the software. And ultimately, any change starts with the... Um, The awareness of a need for for things that need to change and why that's the case, but also to ultimately get people engaged and to get them beyond that initial interest or even just acceptance of something new way of working is to engage them. So we want to raise some kind of desire. Why why should they engage in this? What's in it for them? Um, And that all comes down to um, a well-managed programme. Um, a lot of that time is just, you know, just really clear communications. So we want to, with a change management process, we want to move people from a current state into a new state, and we want to help them, support them in that journey in there, so that the change that occurs is happening at an individual level. It's not coming from external factors. Somebody saying, "Oh, we're just going to start using a new method," and they and there you go.
0: Okay, so so in my trust, we've we've decided to change that bit of software or or update that bit of tech or do something where would we where would we start is there a methodology that we could adopt with some simple steps for for busy trust leaders that they could take on and do some simple things to manage that change more easily
1: absolutely and to talk a little bit about in there in details the uh, pro adcar car model is perfect for managing change in that sense. So we talked about raising the awareness around the change in the first place, why something is being introduced or something is changing. Talked about the next step, which would be your, you know, the desire, how do we get people on board? How do we get people to buy in to do things differently? And then of course, we wanna make sure that people have the right knowledge in order to make those changes. So that gives us the first three steps of the ADCAR model. We've got the awareness, we've got the desire, and we've got the knowledge. Now the last two bits is all around building on that and making sure that the change that we're introducing in terms of the technology, that that's firmly embedded and that it is having the desired effect and the impact on the way that people work and is having a positive benefit on on people.
0: Okay. So if we're raising awareness, how would we do that really easily in our trust? What would what would I do practically to raise some awareness? We've decided we're going to move a system. We think it's a really good idea in our little in our little meeting room. How would I do that? What's what's some simple steps to do that? What could I do?
1: There's a couple of very simple, straightforward ways of doing it. Um, communication, communication, communication. Okay. Um, talk to people. Communicate. Tell people what's happening. Why there's a need for it. Um, that's one one part of. Um, the the kind of awareness um, area or element of of ADCAR. The other element is making sure that the right people are communicating about the change. So it's coming from a senior leadership, it's coming from what is called a sponsor of a project. So they've got a particular position, they've got something invested in it, and and that has an impact on how that awareness is is kind of raised and people are engaging in it.
0: Okay, so communicating, could we put up posters?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Any emails. way of communicating, emails, okay. Yeah. To our to our people to say, we've decided that we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our CEO or our COO is the sponsor of this thing. They're driving it forward, so therefore it's important.
1: It's really important and it's really important that we're understanding why why are we changing. The key thing to remember is that, particularly in education, that we're bombarded with change all the time. Things are happening because they have to, things that are beyond often beyond our control. We've got lots of initiatives coming from um, you know, external factors whether that's the government or you know, other environments and other influences why are we changing? And the big difference between um, just kind of going along with all these changes and perhaps ending up with what's often called change fatigue is not necessarily that there's lots of things that are changing. It's how that change is being managed. And that's the absolute key. So in a simple way, ADCAR ticks all those boxes. If you're doing a really good job of communicating why something is happening, if you're tapping in to the benefits of that change, then, you know, you're making a good head start on uh, on managing that change.
0: Okay. so there's an interesting parallel here between what comes often from the DfE, what we see as being done to us I suppose, we get a a commandment or something that needs to change to do with special needs or pupil premium grants or whatever the DfE is planning and often that uh, in my experience doesn't always go down particularly well with schools because they feel it's being done to them. Often that change is not communicated well or it's communicated late um, and people feel a little bit disaffected by that. And I guess what we're saying here is that schools and trusts are in control of that process and if they start by raising the awareness that will drive some desire and that will soften that blow is that
1: absolutely that's the case and i think that's a really good example of where we're not starting with the right part of change we're not starting with actually why are we Why is there this need to change? Because it's being done to you. So often that just leads to jumping straight to the K in Adcar, which is knowledge. Yes, I can tell you how to use something. There's a new initiative. There's a new policy that's got to be put into place, but there's no buy-in. And if there's no buy-in, that means that people are not engaged. And if people are not engaged, then they're not going to adopt. And if they're not adopting a new way of 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 doing things and and reaping the benefits of doing things differently, then actually change is not happening. So if you step back and approach it, plan for it, it's really quite simple.
0: Okay, so we've uh, we've put up some posters, we've bought some mugs and we've got some t-shirts, we've uh, sponsored the coffee, we've got our CEO to be the poster boy or the poster girl for this change where do we go to next is that is that everyone done is that because I'm still thinking there will be some grumbling in some corridors and people saying I don't want to do this I'm not interested in this or there might equally be people like me who were really annoying in schools desperately trying out the new thing and going completely off tangent and deciding that one feature was particularly amazing that nobody really cared about how do we how do we manage that is there something else that we should do along that along that way
1: that's a really good question. And I think it's it's so important to get everybody involved and to get everybody on board. And with that in mind, it's also very natural to expect people to be a little bit resistant or not as keen because this is just yet another initiative. Or maybe they're neutral. Maybe they're not that bothered. Maybe for them, it's just something they've already been through. And, and the key thing around this is that's to be expected. It's very natural. We like things that we know who likes change, you know, whether that's happened upon us or, you know, something that we wish to. That's a very natural thing in there. So there's lots of things that we can do. One is to expect it, to expect that there will be some um, laggards or there will be some uh, dissenters. There will be people who are not that keen, just like there will be people who are super keen, like I suspect you probably were when, when you were the one introducing technology at, um, at the school. So plan for it think about other resources that you have in place do you have any early adopters that can become champions that can can lead the way and and then keep coming back to the whole understanding around change which part is missing do i need to revisit some of that awareness do i need to make sure that everybody's got the right knowledge and often one of the things that happen with change is that when we get to the A in the ADCAR, the ability where people feel confident, they become very natural and automatic in working in a different way, that can often be the bit where actually people are perhaps not quite ready. So you need to plan, you need to give people the time, but you also need to expect resistance. Resistance is very normal.
0: So if I'm building a group of champions to help me to drive my change, how should I... Select those to start with. Should they be part of those really keen people, or should they be from somewhere else in the organisation? How should I? How should I do that?
1: That's a good question. I think that, in my experience, uh, both. It's easy to um, ask people who are already keen and who are already positive about uh, using an MIS system or, or, or so on, but. Um, it's often the people who are perhaps a little bit more reluctant and perhaps lacking in confidence, perhaps unsure, who end up being a really good uh, role model for people who are adopting new ways of working. They are often good role models because they show a bit of vulnerability, they show a bit of uncertainty and, and they can become sort of, you know, the... The support a critical friend as the new technology is adopted in there so that would be my suggestion um, my suggestion would be not to just go with the one who's a technical expert because then that becomes all about the te- tech rather than about people so somebody who understands the, the nuances of change who perhaps feels it's a challenge for themselves um, so that's one thing I would make sure that the champions uh, network is, is recognised and that they, they're recognised for, for the important role that they have and the impact they have on change. And we're looking at approximately 10% of, of the, you know, the staff being you know, working as, as, as champions. That's, that's sort of a standard recommendation in there. So enough people to have a bit of an influence in there.
0: Okay, and I suppose in terms of influence, the easy option would be to pick those people who are really keen but they wouldn't have quite the same influence with the rest of the staff if we just picked the keen ones, would they? And I guess there's always those people, and we can probably all think of them, in the school office who are nitpicky or who ask the difficult questions. But I guess those questions are needed.
1: Absolutely. And they are often the ones who make the best champions because somehow in the process, in them becoming a champion, they overcome that themselves. So they change, they adopt new ways of working, and that is excellent for everybody else who's then involved further down the line.
0: So let's talk a little bit about uh, resistance to change, because I, I think in education there is often a lot more resistance to change, and you might be able to tell me that's the, that's different in, in other places, but it, but it always seems in education that there is more resistance to doing things differently because people are time poor, they've been using the same systems or things for a long time and they don't necessarily want to change. Um, how do you manage that and and is it possible that sometimes you can there are just times that that you can't manage that and and you just have to to let people go or accept that some people are going to be unhappy about what you've done forever
1: i think there's um, i think there's three elements to that actually i think firstly that there are times when you might have to say we we we've done our bit we've we've planned for this change we've taken into account um where people are at at the moment, we've managed to change, we've, we've done all the communications, we've raised awareness, we've supported, we've created champions networks and, and sometimes you've got to just allow for that to happen. I think that's quite normal in any in any organisation. I think that um, when it comes to education there is a, a real case of, of change fatigue. I touched on that earlier on and um, some people call it poor change management and some people call it, you know, um, change fatigue. For me, I think any change is possible if it is managed properly. However, in education we all know, sadly in many cases, that time is of essence. So so there's, there's, that's the second element. We know that there's a lot of initiatives that education just has to adapt to, uh, react to, work with, and, you know, they don't always we don't always have the, the, the choice of, of what we do and what we don't do. And I think finally, when it comes to resistance, it is to be expected. And if you introduce any kind of change and there is no resistance, I would almost go as far as to say that something's not quite right. And maybe that's just kind of like a surface reaction to it. Um, it's normal, it's natural, and it can be and should be a positive thing because it's with resistance where we really get to understanding people. We understand how uh, new initiatives, new ways of working impacts them. And we want to make sure that the impact is a positive one and we want to make sure that that it's full of benefits and there's a reason for people changing. So make sure that we understand that resistance.
0: So the leadership team should take resistance possibly as a positive thing. Absolutely. If it's not too extreme. Mm -hmm. And there'll always be people who take the free mugs from the staff room and still hate the change anyway. And that's going to happen, whatever happens.
1: Well, we've still got the free mugs here, haven't we? From
0: That is you know, true. Let's early not talk on about in the those too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So, resistance takes on many forms and it's worth exploring, it's worth understanding. And there are many reasons for people feeling resistant to, to change. One of those things is absolutely time. You know and how do we how do we fix that how do we make sure that there isn't enough time and sometimes you know we can make that happen and we can address it um, and other times we we can't but then there are other things perhaps we need to to put in place lack of confidence is definitely resistance Um, people feel that they're not able to do something or they don't have um, the ability to do it how can we address that can we put some coaching into place can we put some support into place can we uh, have a mentor, can we partner p- kind of people up in there and understanding previous history around change as well is really important. If I've had a really bad experience, which I'm sure a lot of us have um not just in education but in 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 other organizations as well, and I've got a negative experience of the last change project, then actually I'm more likely to go hang on a minute, I'm not interested in in, um, in adopting this new MIS system or you telling me that you're going to improve my, my working life or the way that I do things. I think furthermore as well, it's worth just mentioning that uh, when it comes to resistance, that the experience will be different depending on, on who you are in the organisation, whether you're employee or whether you're um, senior leaders. And um, for example, senior leader will, will have more of a, of a need to understand the impact of the change uh, on them In relation to the current strategy of the organization so it's about understanding people at the end of the day we come back to where we started off it isn't about new technology this is about um this is about people
0: and i guess it's people looking at it from their from their horizon if you like senior leaders in an organization will understand the high horizon that's in front of them and they'll know why they're doing it someone who's having the change managed for them or being part of that Will be sat in a school office or a classroom or wherever thinking i'm not sure why this is happening my horizon is lower therefore i'm worried about this and need managing in different ways is, is that
1: absolutely spot on yeah. absolutely spot on and we need to make sure that we communicate in in different ways depending on, on who's involved
0: so i wondered if we should talk a little bit about learning or training now and this is traditionally the place that I've always gone to first, and I think most people would go to first. You know, we've bought something, whether that's physical or software or whatever. We've given them out to our people, or we've given them access to the platform or the thing. Then we give them some knowledge. We we train them. Uh, and, and both you and I are from a from an education background, so we know how this works potentially. But it feels like training is is quite important, but only in only as part of the rest of the process. And I guess if you've not raised awareness with some really good comms that you've sent out and you've got a sponsor and you've got some champions who are working to carry on raising that awareness and give out the free mugs and the t-shirts and all the rest of it to change hearts and minds, those people are not going to come to the training very happy because they might come with lots of those questions around what's in it for me, why should I bother being here, I've been forced to turn up I've got a busy day, I've got a lot of other stuff I need to do. What's important to do with with training around change?
1: All of it is <laughs> absolutely key. And I, and I think that, you know, you talked about we've got people engaged, we've got them to the stage where they're actually, you know what, this, uh, this, this could be something really good for, for us. So, so we want to put the, um, the emphasis on, on, on the knowledge. So the training needs to be, um, it needs to take into account people's preferences you know, different learning preferences, whether that's having the time to look at something in your own time. I mean, I personally never watch a video on, on YouTube because I just don't think that it's, it's for me. I like to attend sessions where I can ask questions, where people can show me how things work and I can have a go myself. Um, it might be you know, asking actually, how would you prefer to learn? Would you prefer to, to buddy up with somebody and and have a bit of a of an input session where we show you some some tools and some tricks and, and the basics of something, and then you go off and you practice yourself and you come back. I think it's absolutely key that it is, um, you know, as bespoke as it possibly can be. One size doesn't fit all. And the key to remember that a lot of the time what happens with with change and with with new projects is that people jump straight to that knowledge and it's a bit like you kind of get helicoptered in and you have a a training session, there you go, here's the knowledge on on how the MIS system works and and off we go and then people are left. It's really important that further support is there to embed that ability to use things really effectively.
0: And that's really interesting because it's kind of that tick box for the trust or even the software company, dare I say it, to say, we've done our bit, now it's down to you. But there needs to be some kind of follow up or some resources to say, actually, we're not expecting you to learn all of this in 5, 10, 15, 4, 2 hours. Here's some stuff to help you. And we're going to revisit this.
1: Absolutely. And the whole point is, we want people to be proficient. We want people to not just have activated and started to use a new way of doing things. We want them to be proficient. We want them to actually reap the benefits of them getting engaged in the first place, because otherwise we're skipping yet another bit of that cycle. So we keep coming round and round that model of ADCAR. And it's it's not a, you know, one way journey. You kind of come back to different parts of it and you revisit it at different points.
0: So it's not a line. It's, it's not aligned, no. Yeah. Okay, so we start with awareness, with some comms and a sponsor, and maybe building a champions group.
1: The need for change, yeah. Yeah.
0: Does that build desire, or are there things that we do to build desire?
1: Well, we we do the same thing when yeah. we build desire. We we communicate. You know what what's in it for you? We we whiff them. What's in it for me? You know, and 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 that's part of it. And there's lots of strategies that you can use. Comms is one of them. You can use uh, some coaching. You can use sponsors as well. Um, and they just support that process.
0: Okay. So once you've got a bit of that awareness and that desire, then you can move on to giving some people some knowledge through through whatever and many varied formats that there are, whether that's in person, whether that's video based, but a variety seems to be what you're saying is, is, is key there. Um, and then move on to that reinforcement. Absolutely. So that yes. we keep yeah. Keep doing that. And
1: you you hit the, the the nail on the head when you said, you know, this is about heart and minds and, and, and that's the bit, it's about people. It's not about the tech.
0: No, it's, uh, in my experience, never about the tech. So we're coming towards the end of the time that we've got to talk about this. Um, And I wanted to just ask you a little bit around what happens if we don't manage change? Um, I I guess we all have some experience of that. You know, we've all been in that cycle of here's some thing that we think is quite shiny today and we'd like you to get to use. And here's a bit of training now, go off and do it. We're going to judge you on it tomorrow. But what are the risks and what are the, 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 I suppose, the drivers to managing change or being bothered with a methodology in the first place?
1: I think it ultimately comes back to what we started uh, talking about at the beginning, is that um, we want any new implementation or, or any new technology to be a success. And actually, in my opinion, you shouldn't introduce a, uh, a new project or a new way of working unless you, you know what success would look like. What What is the future state going to look like? So you have some kind of measure.
0: So I guess what you're saying is, is is to get return on investment by using a change management approach, although you're perhaps doing a little bit more work or you're doing some thinking and some organising, you're buying posters, organising things, building comms and doing that kind of stuff for your people, that you can make your project go as fast as it can, but also not run off the road and help people to become proficient with those changes, drive better adoption, and generally be happier with your investment. And therefore, I, I guess something big, if it's a big technology platform or something like that, get more from it over the time of its life.
1: Absolutely. And and, and ultimately, we see that often with uh, with tech projects. is like you've, you know, here's a brand new laptop. Here you go. There's a bit of training on how to use it. Here's Windows 11 or Microsoft 365 or whatever it is you're, you're using. But actually, if we're not engaged and if we're not solidifying the adoption of a new way of working and we're not changing minds and hearts, then are we really getting that proper return on investment? Organisations that manage change by supporting people, in particular with new technology, they have a much higher chance of achieving their desired outcome, whether that's running to time, running to plan, taking people with them on that change journey. In fact, there is research to support that by managing change um, effectively, you are six times more likely to meet or exceed your project objectives.
0: Six times, that's uh, probably worth doing, I guess. Probably worth
1: it, yes.
0: (laughs) So I think it's towards the end of the time we've got now, uh, and I just wanted to maybe bring things together and wondered if you had maybe a top three things that trusts, schools, education, people listening, if they were thinking of doing some kind of project like this or just thinking to a change management project that they've done before, or maybe something that happened before to them in their personal life or some other thing, what would you give them to take away? Where would they, where would they start? Where would they get resources from? And maybe a couple of things they might do just to get started.
1: Well, absolutely, yes. And thank you very much for, for having me today. I've enjoyed our conversation. It's always good to talk about change. Um, my number one would be um, to plan. Plan ahead of the change. Don't plan once the change is happening. Don't plan after the change has happened. The time you have to actually prepare yourself and to get to your people, if you like, and to raise that awareness and start that journey is ahead of the time. So plan, plan, plan. My second bit of advice would be uh, to communicate, to make sure that communication is absolutely key throughout the uh, life span of the journey and that not only is the, the communication on on part, on point but it's, it's the right channel at the right time um, and then finally it's all about people. we want to understand people and we want to understand the impact that that change has them has on them and the ad car is is, is ultimately the pivotal part of, of, of any change management approach to that so those will be my uh, my three key sort of actions if you like.
0: So are there any resources or places that people can go to get resources to help them to manage change in trusts? Absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. You can either go on a very uh, expensive training course and qualify as a, as a full on change manager like myself, or you can go to Amazon and buy a book for, for 20 pounds. Failing any of that, you can also go to the ProSci website. The ProSci are the founders of the AdCar model and the website for that is ProSci.com.
0: Brilliant. Thank you ever so much to all the people who have listened to this podcast. If you found it valuable, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and you'll also find Iris on all social media channels uh, and can subscribe to the podcasts from there. Thank you very much.